Hello, and welcome to this episode of Tales to the Resistance. I'm Mara Zolt. I'm the project manager here at I Am Responsible, and I'm joined by Amber Patterson. Hi, I'm Amber. I work on the I Am Responsible team as the graphic designer and communications person. And by Bella Brining. Hi, I'm an undergrad working on the I Am Responsible team in digital content creation. All right, so before we get into it, What have you guys been up to lately? So I'm working on my video script. Mm -hmm. And I have some ideas and concepts down. But I did accidentally catch myself watching more hoof trimming videos than I would like to admit. I tell you, they are addictive. (laughs) Like, they're kind of satisfying. They are. You know, they clean that hoof up nice. And then the the cow is clearly walking much more comfortably after the facts. I like it. Now, I wouldn't just sit there and watch it, probably, but when I'm listening to a podcast or something, it's nice, a nice visual (laughs) addition, too. Yeah, I fell down the rabbit hole. I watched one where they found a whole nail. I watched one like that, too. It was, like, a really long nail, too. Yeah, insane. Mm-hmm. So that's been my day today. <laughs> you got the hoof. What's his name? The hoof MD or the hoof? Yes. Yes. Uh, that guy from Scotland. <laughs> yeah. You know you exactly. Anyway, what do we got going on the podcast today? Um, today, we're going to be talking to Stephanie, who leads the bioenergy and bioprocessing technology lab at the University of Maryland. Mm-hmm. She works with water quality, waste treatment, renewable energy, and human health, you know, all that good stuff. She's got 20 years of experience we're going to pick her brain about, including stuff in One Health, anaerobic digestion, nutrient management, and life cycle assessments. And that being said, we were talking to her earlier, and she is still doing adult gymnastics and CrossFit. So we got a all-around American champion on the podcast today. I am thoroughly excited. What about you guys? Absolutely, absolutely. She is she's a woman of so many talents. It's a little bit um, intimidating, but I think it's going to be a great conversation. Yes, we might have to be in the shadow this episode of our expert, but nevertheless, we're going to get into it and see what we can learn. Hello, Dr. Lansing. Thank you for joining us. Would you mind taking a moment to give us your name and tell us a little bit about yourself? So um, my name is Stephanie Lansing. I am a professor at the University of Maryland in the Department of Environmental Science and Technology. I'm actually trained as an ag engineer and mainly dealing with waste technology. Wow, okay. So we said you were a woman of many talents, but for our listeners, can you uh, explain a little bit more about what is waste technology? What does an engineer do in that space? So when you think about a wastewater treatment plant, if you have, again, waste coming in and we have this degradation process and after the treatment, that water is then um, put back into the stream and then going to the farm setting, which I've done a lot of my work at. If you have a dairy cow 
the dairy, the, the cow's poop, and that's stored in a lagoon. And um, then when we put the, the manure back onto the field for nutrients to grow more food. And so the question is, if you have different types of manure treatment technologies, anaerobic digestion, composting, whatever it might be, how does that affect the degradation of other compounds? So what's the scoop on poop? Why would you choose to work in manure? I am dying to know. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So yeah, we call ourselves the poop lab. Um, So if you want to join the University of Maryland poop lab, (laughs) you can come work with us. Um, But yeah, we work with manure every day and, and kind of what that means. People don't really think about when we drink milk, Um, we, um, process that milk, but they have manure that's produced just like we have manure, but a cow has a lot more manure than we do. Um, and so when we have the milk that's being produced for our ice cream and our cheeses that we love, um, there's also that manure component that we have to think about. And so manure, we have a great soil conditioner. It's a fertilizer. It has all the nitrogen phosphorus that we need for growing plants, the nutrients from the cow that we're feeding them the food goes through the manure and then goes back onto the field so that we have more nutrients instead of using chemical fertilizers, which again, may not be part of that circular cycle. So it kind of gets it out of whack and can lead to eutrophication. That is awesome. I mean, it's one of the things I think about a lot, obviously, is with AMR is how interconnected everything is. But I I love what you're saying too about, um, you know, because we like ice cream. We love cheese. Well, that means now we have manure. But then also manure is helpful when we're growing crops like corn, which we use to make chips. And then we have chips and guac. So, you know, it's like a full circle of all the deliciousness. All right. Well, now my stomach is growling. But what I'm most curious about is what do you find most rewarding about your position? Um, I think the most rewarding part of my job is actually just learning. I feel like I'm learning so much. And then I love the education part and just imparting some of that knowledge um, to others, because I feel like there's so many different ways to think about um, the problem that we have. So we can think about it from a microbial perspective, from a chemistry perspective, from an engineering perspective, how are we designing treatment technologies? And then again, from a veterinarian perspective, prescribing and, and, um, and then from a, a healthcare perspective. So I feel like the more deep I go into these fields, the more I learn from different people. So I feel like I'm always learning. And I think that's kind of the, the thing I learned. I love the most about my job is I feel like I'm still learning every day. So how does antibiotics and antimicrobial resistance fit into what you do? How I got into the field of antimicrobial resistance, dealing with um, anaerobic digestion, composting, nutrient management, field application of manure, um, those types of things. So I was interested in, we're looking at looking at manure that gets degraded, what other compounds might get degraded? How much of those um, pharmaceutical and personal care products are actually degraded during the treatment process? And that's what took me on the journey of antimicrobial resistance. And so now I've been Um, In this field, um, still fairly recently, about the last seven or eight years, I've been studying with antimicrobial resistance, and we actually organized workshops for, um, I organized a workshop in Nebraska a few years ago, where we all came together to really discuss not only antimicrobial resistance in agriculture, but we end up talking a lot about the language that people use. Do we understand 
when someone says antimicrobial resistance or AMR versus antibiotic resistance versus, um, you know, just resistance in general, you know, resistant to sometimes if you look in the literature, it might talk about resistance to cancer drugs, which is totally different than antibiotics. And if we're looking at it within the one health concept, how we use words in a clinical setting might be very different from a wastewater treatment plant and might be very different um, in an agricultural um, arena, talking to your veterinarian. And so I kind of expanded it from just being really interested in manure to actually being interested in the communication part of it and the language part of it and, and working more now on kind of misconceptions and perceptions and understanding AMR from a wider context than just the manure treatment process that brought me into the field. It's really interesting to see how you've moved into this space of communications and misconceptions about antimicrobial resistance. Why do you think that was so key when working in antimicrobial resistance? I think when you first tell someone, oh, I work in antimicrobial resistance, they don't really know what that is. And then once you start talking to them, you might say, my father actually had a resistant bacteria, was in the hospital for many days um, with a resistant um, infection. He had a cut on his foot and we went to one of those like indoor amusement park places that had like a pool indoors and stuff. And he had a cut on his foot and he got um, his, his foot swelled up and he thought maybe he had, he had kind of tripped on the Metro and he thought maybe is he twisted his ankle and he's like, yeah, my ankles, my foot's really bothering me. I think I twisted it, but his foot just kept getting bigger and bigger. And then he had the fever. And so we took him to the doctor and they said, no, he has an infection. So they put him on antibiotics and it wasn't working. So they put him on a different antibiotics. It wasn't working. And again, it was very difficult to find um, not only the right antibiotic, but again, to, to try to manage it um, because it was just a cut on his foot. And, um, so once you talk to people like, Oh, I know someone who's had a resistant infection. And, um, so you never know where it's going to come from, um, whether it's going to come from, you know, that was just an environmental, um, infection. Um, but again, it's, to me, it's really interesting that, um, that people don't really know much about it, but once you start talking about it, they, um, they can relate to the resistance and they might have a personal story or somebody else might. And then they think about, well, how did that resistant bacteria get to that place? And what do you think the future holds for AMR? Um, I would say the, the one thing with, with AMR is it's, it's all about kind of what we're doing now, education. So not only educating farmers, but educating consumers. We need to understand risk. Because again, if you think about the risk of, um, you know, catching a, a urinary tract infection, catching kind of your personal behavior, catching gonorrhea, catching again, cutting yourself and, and not washing it out and getting just a cut on your foot and, and getting infected. So part of it is again, thinking about personal risk. And so I think education is really important. Um, if we think about it from, again, city officials thinking about what type of technologies they're doing at their wastewater treatment plants. You're thinking about farmers, what type of technologies, what type of, of separation of the sick cows with the normal herd, and what can we do to prevent illness 
in the first place so that we're not using antibiotics. And I think that there's education not only in the US, but we also have to think this is a global problem. And I think COVID-19 really kind of honed down on the fact that it's a we need global solutions to global problems. And so again, this type of education is really important because there's different regulations in different countries in terms of the use of antibiotics. And it needs a global solution. And part of that starts with education and understanding um, how you can personally protect yourself from um, from infections, um, washing, um, cooking meat to the right temperature, washing your hands, um, washing where you have cuts, um, but also thinking about um, reducing your own use of antibiotics when it's not necessary. Um, and again, thinking about how we house the animals and if we can reduce the amount of infection that they have, then we have less antibiotics that we'll need to give to those animals that might have an infection. Um, so just thinking about being good stewards. So is that how you got started with the I Am Responsible team? Yeah, so yeah, I was one of the people that came at the inception of I, um, IAMR. And, and I think that it's um, I Am Responsible is, is a really important platform because I think very early we realized that we're all doing research in different areas. We, we realized very early that there's so many different ways to look at this, but that we really needed a public facing um, part of it, because just talking to each other um, doesn't really complete the picture. And so that we needed to have a platform where we could engage with the public and answer questions from the public, give information to the public. And because antimicrobial resistance in its essence is a bit confusing. And so the more information that we can get out there, not only about our work that we're doing, but just what is antimicrobial resistance and why should I care? Right. And I guess if nothing else, hopefully this podcast series is going to start to get into all the different facets of antimicrobial resistance and who it is really that needs to care about it because, you know, we're all responsible. If you think about the risk of um, kind of your personal behavior, the resistance um, bacteria that are currently circulating and understanding um, how to be a good steward in your own personal um, prevention, but also your own personal use of antibiotics, as well as those in, um, in agriculture, um, not only in the U.S., but throughout the world. Yeah, it really does require all hands on deck. We so appreciate you joining us today, Dr. Lansing. We've learned a lot. All right. Well, thank you. So is anybody else hungry? I feel like we talked a lot about food today. Milk and ice cream, chips and guac. I'm ready for lunch. Stomach's still growling. Yeah, except for the fact that we also talked a lot about manure. So let's... (laughs) Fair point. Fair point. (laughs) Nothing stops me. (laughs) Wow. After that quite in-depth conversation, I'm happy to say we can kick back, throw our shades on, because we have Emmanuel Okello joining us next time from California, and he focuses on livestock, so we're going to get to talk a bit about animals again. Very excited for next week, and thank you everybody for listening this week. I hope you're feeling fantastic, and we'll see you next time.